How's it going, everybody? And welcome back to episode four of Bay 13. As always, I'm your host, Maxwell, and this week we'll be covering a couple different topics on automotive history, safety standards, and the automotive impact on the environment. Let's go ahead and keep this format and move on to the first question we have today. Our first listener asks, if you know the car has a problem, but don't know where to start, where should you start? What I was always taught through school and at the dealership, uh, you start with SSCC, which stands for Symptom to System to Component to Cause. So an example would be if you had a blinker that was blinking really fast, you would go to the symptom, which is a fast blinker, then on to the system, which is the electrical system, and then on to the component, which is blinkers or the light bulbs in the wiring, and then move on to the cause, which in this case would most likely be a burnt out blinker bulb. I know that was kind of oversimplified, but that's actually a good way to look at it. If you guys have any questions you'd like answered, go ahead and shoot us an email at bay13.wn at gmail.com. And with that being said, let's move on to the first topic we will cover today. Prior to going to school for automotive, I really didn't know how far back cars actually went. And in this first section, we'll be exploring just how far back they went and kind of the technology they had then versus what we have now. Carl Benz was the man credited with creating the first commercial automobile back in 1885. This first car was powered by gasoline with a single piston four-stroke engine. For those of you who don't know what a four-stroke engine is, it's just an engine that has four different strokes of the piston, and those are the intake, compression, combustion, and the exhaust. In the intake cycle, the piston moves down. In the compression cycle, the piston moves back up. And as it goes back up, it gets hot because it's being compressed. In a gasoline engine, the spark plugs would then create a spark. In diesel engines, the compression and the heat of the compression would cause the combustion. And in the combustion cycle, the piston moves back down. And as the piston comes back up, the exhaust ports open and push all the exhaust out of the cylinder. Benz's first car wasn't anything special. It was essentially a tricycle with an engine attached to it. Uh, its engine's output was 0.75 horsepower, and if you kind of compare that to today's vehicles, even a low-spec Honda Civic has 180 to 200 horsepower, which is quite a big leap in technology. Many people back in the day called Benz's patent on this vehicle the birth certificate of cars. 18 years later, in 1903, Henry Ford of the Ford Motor Company started to produce and sell the Model A. These really only came in two different versions. They came in a two-seater for $800 and a four-seater for $900, with the option to add a top. The Model A had an eight-horsepower engine with two forward speeds and one reverse speed. A two-horsepower gain came in 1904 for a total of 10 horsepower. This was a split year and would later be known as the Model AC. Looking back kinda 1885 to 1905, the automotive industry was still pretty basic. Not a lot of vehicles were being made, and those that were being made weren't anything special. 100 years can make quite a difference in the automotive industry. Even two years can make a huge difference. Back in 1903, they didn't really have too much, uh, especially in the way of safety. 
and we'll be getting to that in the next topic in just a second. Kind of looking back to 1903, there wasn't a whole lot going on in the automotive industry. Very few companies were building and producing and innovating cars, or at that time known as automobiles. When you start looking at the similarities and differences, uh, things that come up in conversation most often are safety standards. And crazily enough, safety standards are not universal. The U.S. has different safety standards than Europe, which has different standards than Russia. Even though they're not universal yet, they're quickly changing year by year and beginning to be more widely adopted. Safety standards came as early as 1902 and were very lightly regulated by a combination of state and private sector standards. This was done not only to reassure buyers of the structural integrity of the vehicles, but also to keep vehicle manufacturers in check and producing safe modes of transportation. Safety standards started being adopted in a wide range of vehicles, starting primarily in the 1930s. Uh, the first things to come around were things like safety glass and seat belts. Both of these standards were written in the early 30s. Structural cages similar to space frames in vehicles these days as well as disc brakes didn't become a safety standard until the late 1940s. And 1995 marked the year of crash testing. Crash testing was a way for different companies to gain an understanding of what happened as you crash, and it was a way for them to be able to know what to improve on and what they've done well in the past. 1995 also marked the year that Volvo introduced the first car with side airbags. You're probably thinking back in the day, vehicles weren't as safe as they are today, and you'd actually be right. In the United States alone, the fatalities in 1979 were 51,093 people. In 2002, it was only 42,815 people. That's a 16.2% drop in average deaths per year. While there are a lot of safety standards, there are also a lot of initiatives that are not standard, such as lane detection. Lane detection has cameras on both sides of the vehicles, so when you get close to either lane, either to the left or the right, it'll show you a warning. These warnings usually come up as one of three things, or even all three. The first being a message in the instrument cluster, the second being an audible alarm, uh, such as beeping, like if you leave your door open with a key on, and the third thing would be a tactile warning. So in a lot of Fords with lane detection, the steering wheel will actually vibrate slightly for getting close to either lane. Lincoln actually took this one step further by not only giving you all three of those at the same time, but also was able to change the steering input a little bit if your hands are on the wheel and steer you back into the lane. There's been a bunch of major leaps in automotive technology over the last couple of years. And starting out in the automotive industry over the last two years, I've gotten to see a lot of these come up brand new and actually test them out as they first come out. New vehicles and new technology pose a little bit of an issue with our environment. I'm just going to start out by saying global warming endangers our health as well as other basic human needs. Uh, some of these impacts include record high temperatures, like there was over the last couple of years. In 2017, Africa had the hottest June that they've ever had in history. Uh, rising sea levels, certain parts of California and Florida are being swallowed by the sea, and their beaches are shrinking and shrinking every year. 
not only that, but there's also severe flooding and droughts in certain parts of the world as well. All of these things are just the beginning and are starting to be more and more common. Global temperatures in 2017 have been 1.6 degrees Fahrenheit above the 20th century average of 56.3 degrees. As of January 31st of 2018, our CO2 parts per million recorded in the atmosphere is at 407 parts per million. In 1960, the CO2 parts per million were at 319. That's a 27.5% gain. About 150 years ago, before the age of industrialization, atmospheric CO2 was about 280 parts per million, and it had been at that level for about 10,000 years. Reading about the automotive impact on the environment, as well as where we get our oil to produce the fuel, is almost like reading a horror story. Fracking is a huge source of our natural gas and oil. Fracking is the process of drilling down into the earth before a high-pressure water mixture is directed at the rock to release the gas or oil that is inside. The process of fracking can be kind of scary. It oftentimes contaminates nearby natural water reservoirs that locals drink and shower in, and in some places it gets so bad that these people can actually turn on their tap water in their house and light it on fire. Companies such as Tesla and Volvo and even Ford have set plans in motion to make a greener solution. Electric cars are an awesome way to combat those tailpipe emissions. They don't even need tailpipes because all that is being used is energy stored in a huge lithium cell inside the vehicle. Now before you say electric cars are stupid and I like my V8 too much, until you have a chance to actually take one of these electric cars out on the track and take advantage of the full torque curve, you can't really hit on them too much. They are actually a lot of fun. And even though hybrids and full electric vehicles look like a good answer to combat global warming, they also have their drawbacks. But before we ride off electric cars as a greener alternative, we have to dive just a little deeper. The production of an electric car actually produces more of an environmental concern than gasoline or diesel vehicles due to the fact that their assembly lines have more of an environmental impact, as well as mining for the lithium used to create the power cells that power the vehicle. After the assembly line where these electric cars are actually on the road, these vehicles produce zero emissions, but they have to charge at some point. The power used to charge these cars often comes from huge power generators such as a nuclear plant or a coal plant, which have its own environmental impact that isn't quite the best. After these cars have lived their life or they've crashed or they've gone through their cycle, uh, most of the vehicle metal and plastics are scrapped but the batteries have to be handled very carefully. There isn't enough information on the disposal of these batteries and their contribution to climate change yet. But as soon as we get something in, I'll let you guys know and we'll go over this episode again. Let us know what you guys think about electric vehicle. And as always, the email and a link to our Facebook page will be posted in the description. And don't forget to subscribe to us on SoundCloud at Bay13 and on Facebook at Bay13. That's going to wrap up this episode. We'll see you guys back here on Monday for episode 5 of Bay 13. And until then, you guys take it easy and keep on fixing those cars.